Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a God who exists and you are a God who doesn't just exist, but you speak to men and women such as we. Lord, we do pray that we may be ready to listen to what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we pray that you may particularly be with me so that as I explain your word, that I may explain it in truth. And we pray that your people who are gathered here this morning may search the scriptures as I speak to see if it is indeed so. Lord, we do pray for any non-Christians that are here this morning as well. We pray that you may help them to understand your word as well. And we pray that they may put their trust in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever been afraid to admit that someone is related to you? There's a famous story in the Radford household. I don't remember it myself, but apparently I was there when I was younger. Of We were at a shopping centre and we're all on the escalator going up and it was packed and we're with my uncle. And we were going up this escalator and then my older sister, when we got to the top, she saw a big red button at the top of the escalator. And so she ducked over and pressed this big red button at the top of the escalator. And of course, the escalator ground to a halt. And of course, then everybody on this packed escalator looks up who's pressed the button. And of course, there's my sister and there's us all around her trying to pull her away and trying to work out what to do. And what did my uncle do? He ducked into the nearest shop as though he was totally unrelated to us in any way. He was just on the escalator as well. And then this crazy kid over there who has no blood relation to him uh, pressed this button and stopped the escalator. And it's true, at times when a family member does something, does something wrong, we are ashamed to be related to them because people might think if you are related to that person, well, maybe you're as dumb or as uh, bad as that person. It must run in the family. And so we actually don't want to be related to them or we are ashamed to admit it if forced. The question this morning I want to look at, is Jesus ashamed to call you a part of his family? Is he ashamed of you as part of the Christian family? I mean, when you think about it, he should be. He is a wonderful person who never sinned at all. And what are we? We are people who sin all the time. We commit crimes against God. We sin against him. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we gossip, we hate people instead of loving them. We do it again and again. And so Jesus shouldn't want to be related to us, to call us his brothers and sisters. Even when we have been washed and become a Christian and he has paid the penalty for us at the cross... We are still sinners. Yes, the penalty has been paid, but we still remember that we've done the wrong thing. It's kind of like if you were sent to prison and you paid the penalty and got out, you'd still remember that you were a criminal. And so there's a shame associated with that. And even at best, Christians 
are often not very distinguished people. Why would someone want to be associated with Christians? We are people who are poor, usually, because we tend to give money away and so we don't seek after the riches of this world. We are despised. People just don't like us. People may even persecute us. They hurt us bodily or at least emotionally through what they say to us. And often Christians are sorrowful people. They recognise their own sin and they recognise that they are not as good as they should be and they're unhappy about it. And who wants to be related to someone who is always sorrowful, someone who is despised by others, someone who is poor? You want to be related to someone who's rich, don't you? Someone who's got lots of money. Someone who the world esteems. Wouldn't you love to be related to someone who is president of a country like the United States or prime minister of Australia? You could say, that's my sister, Julia Gillard. Or at least you want to be related to someone who has money. Uh, that if you were related to Bill Gates, that would be fairly nice, wouldn't it? But as Christians, we aren't people who are usually got lots of money, have lots of power, are recognised by people as honourable in this world. So Jesus shouldn't want to acknowledge our relationship with us, at least not acknowledge that he is in our family. But does he? Does he want to acknowledge us? as his brothers and sisters? He does. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in Hebrews chapter 2. I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible, to have it open to page 1185, and we'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 through to verse 13. And we see there that Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters unashamedly. Verse 11. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Who's the one who makes men holy? Well, it's Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes you holy. And who are the people who are made holy? Well, that's you. And we're of the same family. And so what does that mean? What does it say at the end of verse 11, the second sentence there? So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus is not ashamed to call Christians brothers. We are of the same family, and Jesus acknowledges that and is not ashamed to call you a brother or sister. And just in case you don't believe that this is so, you don't take the author of Hebrews at his word, he then gives us some proof texts and acknowledges in a couple of ways how Jesus shows his brotherhood to us how he acknowledges that he is our brother and we are of his family. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning, a a couple of points about how Jesus shows his brotherhood. And if you've got a church bulletin there, you can find them on the back page, the different points about how Jesus shows his brotherhood. And the first way we see Jesus showing his brotherhood is by making you holy. We see that in verse 11, as I already read it out and touched on it. Verse 11, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. How is Jesus making us holy meant to show his brotherhood? Well, what do brothers and sisters do for one another? They look out for each other, don't they? They help someone when they've committed a crime or they've done something bad. A brother or sister is there to help resolve the problem. They help to try and make up 
for whatever it is the brother or sister has done. If they've broken a window, they try and uh, through hitting a baseball through it or something, the older brother's there to try and pay and cover the cost of the window uh, to be repaired. They try and make up for their brother or sister that has done the wrong thing. And then they try to teach the, the brother or sister not to do the wrong thing in the future. Try and help them so that they're a good brother or sister. And that's what Jesus has done in making us holy. He has come as an older brother and made up for our sin against God. Our countless sins against God have been made up for by our older brother, Jesus. He came into the world and died an excruciating, painful death on the cross to make up for the sin that you committed. He has made you holy. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner who is to be punished for all their sin. Instead, God sees Jesus and his righteousness. And so you are holy like Jesus is holy. And he then continues to make you holy. You have There's two forms of holiness, sanctification, that are spoken of in the scriptures. One is positional sanctification, that your position is as a holy person. And so when God looks at you, he sees you as holy. And so that's why you can be called a saint. Every believer in Jesus Christ is a saint. You're not simply a saint if the Roman Catholic Church says that you committed a miracle at some point in your life and so now you reach sainthood. No, again and again in the New Testament, books of the Bible are written to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in a particular region. Every believer is a saint. Every believer is considered by God to be holy and that is your positional sanctification. But then you also have progressive sanctification because you recognize that you as a sinner still sin. Even though you are a Christian, you continue to do the wrong thing. And so Jesus progressively sanctifies you, progressively makes you more and more holy. He helps you overcome the different sins in your life so that you gradually work up to what you already are. You are holy, but you're gradually working up to it progressively. And that's what Jesus does for you as an older brother. He pays for the crime and then he helps you not sin again, not do the crime again. He is an older brother who looks out for his younger brothers and sisters. And so he shows his brotherhood in making you holy. How else does Jesus show his brotherhood that he is not ashamed to call your brother? Well... The other way, second way, is Jesus shows his brotherhood by declaring God's name. We read verse 11, Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family, so Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. And then we read a quote. He, in verse 12, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers. Verse 12, we see that Jesus shows his brotherhood by declaring God's name. He's like a big brother who knows what is best for you and knows how to get it for you, and he declares to you how to do it. It's kind of like when I was little and my older sister, I don't have any brothers, so um, I have to relate these to sisters, but I have older sisters and we really wanted to go and see Back to the Future Part 3. And, of course, my parents uh, wouldn't take us to the movies, but my older sister 
said, I will take them. And she was 14, I was 10 at the time. And so we went on a trip on the train into, because we were in a more remote area, and we had to travel on the train to the cinema. And she bought the tickets, she was responsible for the money, and made sure that everything was paid for, and took us in. And so we got to watch Back to the Future Part 3 under my older sister's supervision. She knew what we wanted, she knew what would make us happy, and so she helped us uh, get that. And that's what Jesus does as well. He declares God's name to you. He knows you need to hear about God. You need to hear about something that is greater than Back to the Future Part 3 can do for you. Greater happiness than that. And that is about God and his way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus declares God's name to you. And we see him do this in the pages of the New Testament. He comes and he preaches to people about his Father. Again and again, Jesus is on and on about his Father his Father in heaven, and what his Father is doing, and what his Father has said, Jesus declares God's name to his brothers, showing his brotherhood there. And he still does it today. He declares God's name to you in the pages of the New Testament. When you read God's word, you hear Jesus' voice. And he is telling you what is the best thing for you, just like an older brother tells you how to get something that is really good. So Jesus does that today. He shows his brotherhood by declaring God's name to you. And he doesn't just declare God's name by speaking. He also declares God's name, how? By singing. Verse 12, he says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. We only have record of Jesus singing once in the New Testament. Uh, they sing a hymn and go out. It's after the, um, on the night he is to be betrayed. They have the supper and then they sing and then they go out to cross to the Mount of Olives. But I'm sure Jesus, as a good Jew, would have been involved in the congregational singing that would have gone on at the synagogue and at the temple. He would have been there singing the praises of God amongst his brothers and sisters. And of course, uh, he still sings God's praises to you. The book we call Psalms is God's word. Therefore, it is Jesus' word. And so many of the Psalms are about Jesus Christ as well. And so when you read those precious songs, you hear the voice of Jesus, your brother, singing God's praises to you. And you should be ready to listen to those praises as they come through, as your older brother, Jesus, is declaring God by singing to you. So we've seen Jesus shows his brotherhood by making you holy, by looking out for you. He shows his brotherhood by speaking, by declaring God's praises, and uh, by singing them. Third point about how God shows his brotherhood is that Jesus shows his brotherhood by being in your presence. Family members usually hang around one another. They usually like to be with each other. Brothers and sisters, they get together for family occasions. It might be for meals together, 
but also for holiday trips. You go away together, particularly when you're younger. You go away with your parents and uh, you spend a lot of time in each other's pockets, basically, and uh, in each other's bedrooms. Often they can be squabbling, but sometimes you play together. You spend a lot of time with one another. And Jesus shows his brotherhood by doing the same thing, by being in the presence of his family, by being in the presence of his brothers and sisters. And Jesus shows this in a couple of ways. One way is by the fact that he came and lived on this earth. Jesus could have declared God's praises from heaven. He could have bellowed down. We see God speaking from heaven in a couple of places in the New Testament. He could have done that. But instead he came and lived as a man and didn't live as a man out in the desert where no one is to see him. He came and lived among his brothers and sisters He came and spent time with them and was in their presence. And we see him still do that today. He doesn't come physically, but he is said to live within every believer in him. Jesus comes and lives inside you if you are one of his brothers or sisters. He shows his brotherhood by bringing his presence to you and living in you. And then when you gather with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is present in a special way among you as well. We have the promise in Matthew's Gospel where two or three are gathered in his name, particularly in regards to church discipline, that that passage is, but Jesus is said to be specially there. He comes and is present among his brothers and sisters. He is not someone who, as soon as you do something wrong, runs into the nearest shop like my uncle did when the escalator button was pressed. No, Jesus is present with you. He is not ashamed to call you a brother or sister in Christ. He is present among you. So we've seen that Jesus is our brother by the fact that he looks out for us that he, is, uh, he declares God's name to us and that he is in our presence. What other way? Well, fourth point this morning, Jesus shows brotherhood by trusting in God. We see that in verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. There's a quote there from Isaiah. We saw the other three points, uh, well, uh, two of the other points, We're from a quote from Psalm uh, 22, so verse 12, where he declares God's name, and then being in the presence of the congregation, uh, he shows that he is present among his people, showing his brotherhood. Then we have this quote from Isaiah, verse 13, and again I'll put my trust in him. Jesus is showing that he is someone who trusts in God. And did he? While Jesus was on earth, did he trust in his Father? Yes, he did. We see him trust in God throughout all the different troubles that he's going through. Who does he call out to? He calls out to his God. He prays to his God again and again through his life. He is seeking God's help. He is trusting in his Heavenly Father. He also puts his trust in God's Word. When he's being tempted by Satan, what does he do? He quotes scripture. He quotes his father's words to Satan to put Satan back in his place. 
Jesus trusts God again and again. And then at the cross, what do we see? What does Jesus say at the end? Into your hands, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He trusts God with his very life. He trusts that God will raise him up again. He trusts God with his entire person. Now how does that show brotherhood? How does that show that we are his brothers and sisters? Well, I think that this quote from in verse 13 from Isaiah is to show Jesus' solidarity with us. As brothers and sisters, we share the same experiences with one another. And we share particularly the same dependence upon God, uh, upon our parents, don't we? As brothers and sisters, we go, yes, it'll be all right to one another. Dad will bring some dinner home. We'll be able to eat. We console one another or mum will make dinner. It'll be all right. We share that experience of dependence upon our parents. Does Jesus share that experience with us? Yes, he does. He shows his brotherhood in the way that he trusts in God like we trust in God. We trust in God in times of trouble just like Jesus trusts in God in times of trouble. We trust in God's word to get rid of Satan, to get rid of temptations, just like Jesus trusted in God's word. And we trust God with our very life itself. At the end, as you're dying, will you have no hope or will you be committing your spirit into the hands of your father just like Jesus did? Yes, you will. If you're a true Christian, you will know that there is a resurrection, just like Jesus knew he would be resurrected as well. And so Jesus, saying he trusts in God, shows solidarity with us, shows that he is like us. He is our brother in, in his trust for God his Father. How else? Last way that we see Jesus shows his brotherhood. My fifth main point, Jesus shows brotherhood by gathering his father's children. We have another quote from Isaiah. It's actually the next verse, but um, the same, same passage, and the author of Hebrews has just put uh, a little bit of emphasis in by uh, saying, and again, in verse 13, so, and again, I'll put my trust in him, and then he interrupts the flow of Isaiah and says, and again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. What do older brothers and sisters sometimes do? Well, they're expected to gather the other people, their younger brothers and sisters, so that the parents can pick them up or the parents can get going. You say, where's your brother? Can you go find your brother? Where's your little sister? Can you make sure that after school you're all standing at the school gate so you can just hop in the car? So the older brother or sister is given the responsibility of making sure that the other the children are all gathered ready for when the parent shows up and they can say here am I and the children that you have put under my care and Jesus does the same thing he says here am I and the children God has given me Jesus gathers his brothers and sisters together and presents them to the father he gathers them now as we gather together in church, 
at Christian conferences. Why are you here in church this morning? Why are you not at home tucked up in bed under a nice warm duvet? It's because Jesus has motivated you to gather with his people this morning. There is no other explanation for it. You have been gathered here because Jesus, your older brother, has motivated you to get out of bed, to see this as important, and to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and to be with him as he is specially present with us this morning at church. He has gathered you here this morning as an older brother, showing, like an older brother or sister does, gathering the children together to be there and hear the voice of the parent. And Jesus doesn't just do it now. He will one day do it in a way that has never been done before. When Jesus returns on the last day, which could be today, could be tomorrow, what will he do? He will gather all his children together. We will be, it says in Thessalonians, caught up in the air. I always like that passage because it sounds like when we're resurrected, we may be able to fly, and I'd love to be able to do that. We will be caught up with him in the air and go to be presented to the Father and be in heaven with our Heavenly Father. Jesus is coming as our older brother to gather us, to be with our Father, to be with him in heaven forever. So, is Jesus our brother? Has he shown that he is our brother? Yes, he has shown our brotherhood by making us holy, by declaring God to us, by being in our presence, by trusting in God like you do, by gathering us together. The question is, does Jesus call you his brother, you individually this morning? Does Jesus call you brother? Have you been made holy? Or are you still dead in your sins? Have you listened to Jesus declare God's name in his word, at church? Have you listened to Jesus speak? Is Jesus with you? Is he present in you? Have you trusted in God like Jesus did? Have you been gathered by Jesus this morning to be with brothers and sisters in Christ? If not, then I want to encourage you to become one of Jesus' brothers this morning. How do you do that? Well, you've got to be made holy. And how does that happen? Well, it's through repenting of your sin and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that your sins have been paid for through Jesus' death that at the cross he was taking the punishment that you deserve. That is how you are made holy. As soon as you believe that, you are completely washed and made holy and God sees you as righteous and not unrighteous any longer. I encourage you, if you are not one of Jesus' brothers, be made holy this morning. Listen to Jesus. Declare God's name to you right now. Invite Jesus to be present within you. Ask him to come and live in you. Trust in God like Jesus did. Show that you are a brother of Jesus by trusting in him. 
and be willing to be gathered by Jesus to be presented to the Father. I encourage you, do it now. Be a brother or sister of Jesus Christ through repentance and faith this morning. Now maybe you do consider yourself to be a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that if that is you, persist in being a good brother or sister in Jesus Christ. Look at these things that Jesus shows his brotherhood through and then continue to affirm them in your life. And just recognise what a great privilege it is that Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother. He should be ashamed. Do you realise how terrible a brother and sister you are? That he shouldn't want to be caught dead with you? That he should be completely ashamed to be related to you? But he is. So I want to encourage you this morning. Make sure that you live a holy life to show that you are someone who has brotherhood with Jesus, that he is progressively making you more and more holy. I want to encourage you to listen to God being, God's name being declared by Jesus. How do you do that? You read the Bible. You come to church. You listen to Jesus speak to you as a brother and sister. I want to encourage you this morning also to continue seeking God's presence. Yes, Jesus is within you, but he is specially present when you are around other brothers and sisters in Christ. Seek Jesus' presence by coming to church, by being involved in different church meetings, by being with other Christians, by meeting together with other Christians and praying with them. Be as much present with Jesus Christ as you can be. And trust in God for all things, just like Jesus did. It's very easy to trust in God for just simply your salvation and not bring other matters that are you concerned about to him. Trust like Jesus did. Trust your Father for everything. Trust him for the problems that you're experiencing at work, the problems that you're experiencing with your family, both your blood family and also your family in Christ. Trust in God for all things like Jesus did and show that you are indeed a brother of Jesus. And then I want to encourage you this morning to show your brotherhood or sisterhood with Jesus by being gathered with him, by being gathered with other people who are believers, but also looking forward to that day when you'll be gathered by him and taken to heaven. That day should be a day that you look forward to like no other. It should be a day that you pray for. Maranatha, that Jesus would come and gather you because you are his brother or you are his sister. It is a wonderful privilege to be a brother or sister of Jesus Christ. I encourage you this morning to make sure you are to look at these things and encourage, cultivate such things in your life to show your brotherhood or sisterhood with Jesus. Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son and we thank you that he 
is not ashamed of us. There are so many, many reasons for him to be ashamed of us. We have sinned terribly in so many ways. But Jesus comes to us and makes us holy. He cleanses us and then looks after us. He speaks to us about you. He is in our presence. And Lord, he gathers us day by day, week by week. And one day will come to gather us to be with you forever. Lord, we do pray that that day may come soon. Lord, may it be tonight. May we spend this evening in heaven because Jesus has come as our older brother and taken us to be with him for eternity. Lord, we pray for any unbelievers this morning who are not brothers or sisters in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that they may become his brother or sister this morning. May they repent of their sins and believe that Jesus has died for them so they are made holy and so that one day Jesus will come and gather them to be with him forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.